Fear not, dear listener. The path to enlightenment is before you. Leave the darkness behind. Open your eyes, grab your spears, and brush your teeth. For you will be led to the battlefield, armed with sharp minds and fresh breath. Stand by. Welcome to the show dedicated to truth and liberty in the greater Cincinnati area. One small part of a larger movement for freedom pressured into silence by a culture that seeks nothing less than total obedience. Your hosts, Scott and Max, are here to help you to find the courage and resources to become uncancelable. This is Cancelled Out. What's up, dudes? Welcome back to Cancelled Out, Cancelled Conversations. Uh, I'm really excited about this next guest. Uh, I've got to see uh, a few of his movies now, if you're familiar with Unplanned, if you're familiar with uh, The uh, uh, the Trump I Know, which was a fantastic documentary. I strongly recommend uh, that you check that out. Uh, Joe Knopp. Joe, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, it's great to uh, get to connect with your audience. Yeah, and Joe is uh, running with Jim Renacy for uh, Ohio uh, for governor. He's going to be the lieutenant governor should Renacy win, uh, which is what, of course, we're hoping for here. And uh, Joe, tell tell us a little bit about your uh, your background. Of course, you're a movie producer. Um, you've been involved in that. It uh, seems like for uh, many years now, and you've done a lot of great work. Uh, I saw Unplanned in the theaters uh, when it came out, and man, that, that, that movie really hit me. Uh, tell, tell us about yourself kind of, kind of growing up. And I know you uh, originally are from Philadelphia, right? I am. So I was born in a Philadelphia area. I have two older sisters and it was kind of a rough family situation. There was a lot of, uh, you know, abuse and addiction in our family uh, to the point where uh, when I was five years old, the police actually took uh, my two sisters and my mom and I uh, away from our dad and, and to this day, we never actually saw our dad again. Mm. But unfortunately, our mom, she wasn't really in a position to take good care of us. So for the next couple of years, we just lived on the streets, uh, lived uh, slept in abandoned houses. You know, I probably shouldn't say, but, you know, we stole for food just for survival. Um, so that was life for uh, a couple of years just on the streets. Uh, but somehow my sisters, one block over from where we normally uh, were, were staying, uh, found this corner church. And there was a sign on the church that said, if you come to Sunday school, you'll get free Dunkin' Donuts and orange juice. So we actually uh, started going there. Uh, not, our mom never went with us, just us three kids. And uh, the church took notice to us. And uh, actually, uh, one day the church got a phone call from the local elementary school. And basically the school said, hey, these three kids were supposed to be at school for the past couple of weeks. We haven't seen them, but we heard they were uh, uh, seen in your church. Uh, and this this gentleman, uh, I just had dinner with uh, Wes uh, probably about six, seven months ago, and uh, he uh, took it upon himself to walk the streets uh, of the blocks that we were uh, on and in and out of abandoned houses until he found us. And uh, it was like November. We were, he said he was, we were wearing uh, T-shirts, no jackets on. Uh, so he just took it upon himself to figure out which lady there was our mom and just got permission from her right then and there to take us to this orphanage that he knew about in Philly. So I was seven at the time. Uh, they took my sisters actually to a different orphanage. 
Uh, so for the first year, I was by myself in a boys' dorm. And unfortunately, a year later, the orphanage my sisters were at had room for me. So then I moved in with them. Uh, but we all stayed at the orphanage till we all graduated from high school. So uh, from the age of seven until graduating high school, I lived at an orphanage uh, just outside of Philadelphia. You know, uh, what that reminds me of is uh, uh, Woodlawn, uh, Sean Astin's character. Woodlawn is another one of your uh, movies that you produced, which was, again, very, very good movie. Uh, and I strongly recommend people check it out. If you like Remember the, uh, uh, Remember the Titans, you'll love this movie. It's got a different twist, though. It's more Christian twist, which is one of the things I like about it because it, um, it, 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 it uh, bridges some gaps, not just between different types of people, but uh, between rivals uh, in football, which I thought was fantastic. But it, it reminds me of Sean Astin's character, how he kind of saw that there was an issue and he reached out. Right. And that's, 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 that was, that was, that was his role. He reached out to, to bring people to God. Uh, kind of sounds like what you experienced yourself with, uh, with the people in the church reaching out to you. It was that simple. Right. And I hope I'm doing a good job of that today because we're all busy. We're all hectic. We all have families. And this gentleman, Wes, who uh, he had three kids of his own. He was a, uh, an architect in the Philadelphia area. He volunteered at different places, including the church. But he took it upon himself to literally walk the streets until he found us. And, uh, and then the rest of my childhood, uh, he would come and pick us kids up every Thanksgiving day and Christmas day and take us back to Philly for a day and try to find our mom so that we could have a lunch or a dinner with her. Um, so I hope that, you know, just as, for me, you know, my life is busy. I just hope I'm demonstrating to my kids that they are important, but so is the community that we live in and we have to look out for others, just like Sean Aston did in the movie. Yeah. And how does that, uh, or how did that end up shaping your worldview? Um, Cause I know it's, of course it would, right? I mean, somebody reaches out to you like that, you're going to pay attention. Yeah. You're going to see, you know, you're going to, you're going to think about the, those things and you're going to see what is applicable to you, right? So, so how did that shape, and what had what what did that turn into as far as your your particular worldview? It's really given me a, I guess, a, an empathy and appreciation that we we all have a story, we all have a journey, and uh, and I think even more so in today's world, you know, with devices and social media, they say we're more connected than ever, but more lonely than ever. Um, so with my kids, uh, my kids are 16, 14, and 12, and I tell them every single week when you're in the, uh, at lunch and if there's a kid sitting by himself at a lunch table, I better find you over there sitting with him because you just know what someone, what someone else is experiencing. And it is our responsibility just as humans to, uh, to look out for others. And in today's world, I come from a broken family, and there's a lot of broken families out there, and the kids are growing up in that environment. And you know, we have this desire to belong. And if we're not getting it through family and community, we'll seek it out elsewhere. And that usually doesn't end well for people. No, that's uh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, who knows what would have happened if this guy didn't reach out to you, right? What, what different path you might have taken? Um, I wouldn't be talking to you right now would be my guess. Sure. I, I, I would be willing <laughs> to bet. Yes. Um, and it's, it's, it's incredible how those things shape us, you know, and uh, you ended up uh, getting into movies. How did that start? Yeah, so I uh, could afford college. You know, it's funny, the, uh, the orphanage really prepared us uh, for life skills. So like in high school, I had a job and paid some rent, bought some groceries, really to be able to survive on our own. But uh, my friends at school, they were all off to college and I just wanted to join college. 
uh, go to college. And I, I just couldn't afford it financially. So uh, again, I actually uh, feel like God had drove me past an Air Force recruiter's office and uh, said, we'll pay for your education if you enlist in the Air Force. So I did. Um, and when I was 19 years old, I got stationed at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton, Ohio. And I've been here almost 30 years now. Um, did six years active duty at Wright-Pat the whole time. Went to night school and got a finance degree. Um, stayed in Dayton, met my wife here in Dayton. She's from the area. And did finance for about 12 to 13 years. But uh, a guy that I grew up with uh, was kind of a mentor to me when I was at the orphanage. Daryl worked at the local church. Daryl had a desire to be part of Hollywood. And uh, he went out there and kind of grinded his way through the studio system, worked his way up to becoming a producer. But then he felt like probably about 10, 12 years ago when Hollywood really kind of migrated to telling the big tentpole type stories, the, the big comics and marvels, he went out there to tell just inspirational, true stories. Uh, so he uh, took a risk and went out on his own to try to produce those types of stories. And Woodlawn, as you mentioned, was actually, uh, he called me because he needed uh, just help from a financial standpoint. And in the whole uh, country, I was the only finance guy that he knew. So that's when I started flying out to L.A. to see if I could help him. And, you know, I have always had an opportunity to speak and share my story. And I have seen the just kind of the it lets people let their guard down when I share my story. Because there's not too many kids these days growing up in orphanages. So it just really allows them to listen. So I really appreciate storytelling. Um, so it's kind of a natural fit for me to start working with Daryl. And then Woodlawn, again, true story. Uh, it was the first movie that I helped to produce. And that, but still live in uh, Dayton, Ohio. Uh, I, we're not an LA family. We're not a New York family. I love landing at the Dayton airport and being amongst our Midwest folks. Uh, so that's how I got into the space. So, and you kind of said it before, uh, Hollywood's very much uh, focused on these kind of blockbuster superhero movies at the, at, the, at the moment. And I don't, I guess that's not going anywhere anytime soon, but it's not interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, they're fun. I mean, everybody loves a good, you know, uh, explosion scene and fight scenes and I'm all for it. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but it's not interesting just in terms of the story. And uh, you have uh, produced movies that, that are very interesting and based on uh, uh, reality, based on things that have actually happened. Um, what is it that draws you to those types of stories? What do you look for when you're looking for a project or when a project comes to you and, you're, and, you, and you start to see, get some interest? What draws you to it? Yeah, I truly believe my passion is uh, good storytelling, whether it was you know, a couple thousand years ago in print or then turned into radio and now you know, movies, uh, TV, podcasts, uh, video. Um, there is... I truly believe there's nothing that can impact people more than a true story. If it's done well, if it's got recognizable talent in it, and it's just a way to draw people into a story and really to share our, our values, to share our morals, to share our beliefs. And whether that's from a religious standpoint, whether that's from a, a political standpoint, it's just an opportunity. Um, if we keep fighting people, whether it's, again, Christians or politicians, keep fighting with logic. You know, logic versus logic tends to not move the needle much. But there is a trap door, I truly believe, between the heart and emotion and our logic. And once you start understanding and having an empathetic uh, uh, approach to someone's journey for why they believe what they do, all of a sudden that has the ability to impact what we think about that situation. doesn't mean it will change our mind but it at least makes us become more empathetic to why they believe what they do. So that's, that's my passion for storytelling. If you look at all the stories I've been a part of, 
they each have a message in, in the middle of them. And whether it's kind of a, a Trojan horse message or whether it's written on the, on the title, that's my passion for storytelling. Yeah. There, I mean, I'm all about good storytelling. That's that. I mean, if you want to get a message out to somebody, I mean, you said it, uh, it, it helps people to empathize. Um, logic yeah. is great. Logic is important. I try to engage in logic and, and what I do as much as possible, because I think that, you know, uh, that kind of reinforces what, what, what we believe, right. It helps us to reinforce things. Um, but in order to share that, uh, the, one of the best things you can do is, is, is kind of, uh, reach through and, 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 engage on an emotional level. And that's the thing that, I mean, like you said, it drives that empathy. And even if it doesn't necessarily change somebody's mind, it at least opens up their mind a lot more than, than a, even a good argument will do. Absolutely. And I think in, in today's environment, uh, people just take a, a little bit of information and act like they, they, they know everything about a subject and just start fighting back and forth uh, w- with the intention of never having a desire to be empathetic to the other side. And it's actually, it's, it's pushing, I think, a lot of people just backwards uh, in our spaces. Yeah. And I mean, and this honestly is something that the left understands. They really do. The left understands that, that a good story, that's why they're so involved in Hollywood, right? They know a good story is going to, is going to shape culture. And uh, as Breitbart used to say, politics is downstream from culture. If you want to have an impact on on, on politics, you got to have an impact on culture. And that's why I think your movies are so important. Uh, I want to talk again about Woodlawn for a minute, because, again, I, I'm sure you've heard the comparison before to Remember the Titans, because it's a very similar story. It's a different one. Yeah. Uh, they're both based on, you know, uh, on real events. But the, uh, the, the, the main difference, and this is the thing I loved about Woodlawn, is that they used uh, Christianity to bridge the gap between people, not just the team, because, you know, you have a team and they, you know, uh, uh, compete with other teams. So it's you against the other teams. Um, But I loved the way in Woodlawn, I loved how uh, they, they uh, applied Christianity and Christian principles and the love of Jesus in order to bring people together. And that just was, I mean, such a well done uh, movie, and I'm interested. Uh, how do you? How did you? Uh, how do you get to work with some of these big names? I mean, you know, I, you know as well as anybody, Hollywood is very left leaning. But you were able to 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 work with people like Sean Astin. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a great question. You know, a lot of times it's the uh, it's the system of Hollywood that really tries to av- avoid you know us 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 conservatives. It's the the managers, it's the agents. So many of the talent. Uh, in Hollywood, you know, they grew up like we did. They grew up going to, you know, church on Sunday mornings. They grew up with good morals and values. Now they get exposed to a lot when they go to Hollywood, but they don't forget it. Um, and they're, they all love a good story. Uh, so when we had the ability to almost uh, circumvent the teams, if I can say that out loud, and, and get directly to the talent, a lot of times they, they read these scripts and just like as we watch these stories, they, they fall in love with the story. They fall in love with the characters. And, you know, like with Woodlawn, it was a racial injustice story that they felt like it was the right time to be a part of that type of story. And the, the Christian aspect of it, it was, it was undeniable that that was a true part of that story. And the ripple effects of, like you said, not just being, you know, a team, like remember the Titans, uh, that, that 
Christian aspect of it had a ripple effect far beyond just that one team. Uh, you could find uh, a, a likeness, similar values with the team uh, uh, across the field from you. And that just poured out to the whole community where I think we have a, uh, a line in the movie where why is our locker room the only place where whites and blacks get along? It's because they do have the same core Christian values. And Sean Aston's character was able to identify that where both teams could just, you know, unite on that. And, you know, unification is something that our country is struggling with today. It's something with even conservatives, even Christians struggle with today. But that movie, I think, demonstrates what happens if we actually let kind of the minor things aside and unify on the big things. Yeah. And one of the other things I really liked about that movie is that uh, the characters were not so one dimensional. And I think my favorite character, in fact, uh, I forget his name, but he was the rival coach that they brought into the fold to, you know, to 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 compete with, but also to uh, kind of unify again under Christianity. I, th- I think he was my favorite character yeah. because he was so irritating, <laughs> right? And even after he, I mean, you could see when he prayed, he was it was clear. I mean, he was he he thought of himself as a Christian, but when he when you first see him pray, it was kind of like, man, whatever, pray, and then I'm done. And he goes back to being an irritating human being. And then even after he uh, kind of joins the fold. Uh, he's still kind of that irritating. He's still that personality. He's got that kind of aspect of him, but um, he's not so one dimensional as just being that irritating character. He was more than that. And I loved that about that, about that movie, about those characters. Um, well, it's important just to let people know that, you know, we're all different and that's okay. That's not what we need to change. We just need to unify, you know, on, on the big heart things. And I think uh, that's what that character, you know, that's where we saw him come to our side. So, yeah. And then, of course, there was Unplanned, which uh, was the movie about Abby Johnson, who, for those who aren't familiar, she uh, was, uh, I think, one of the youngest um, uh, leaders in, in Planned Parenthood of a clinic. Right. And she witnessed a an abortion, uh, I think, for the first time. She'd never seen an abortion like that in person. Uh, and she was very much obviously pro uh, abortion. And that changed her life. And it was, and the, and the movie was all about that experience for her. And it was, and it was, it was again. It's very heartbreaking. It's very hard to watch, but it's an important movie, and it was very, very well done. Um, and I remember when that came out, that the big challenge there was promoting it, right? Because people really didn't want you want. Uh, there were people that didn't want this movie to be seen. Um, tell me what it was like fighting that uh, from your perspective. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. I, uh, when I came home to tell my wife that we're doing an abortion movie next, she's like, first of all, how do you even get someone to have dinner and a movie on a Friday night to watch an abortion movie? Um, let alone, you know, just get the, the masses to want to come see that. Um, but it was, it was a struggle from the beginning, even from, uh, trying to find locations. Uh, we've ended up filming it in Oak or in Oklahoma and when people found out the type of movie we were doing, we got shut down, trying to get crew. Um, so it was just a battle from the beginning, we just, but we did feel like it was you know, God's timing to tell that story. And then when it came to marketing, I remember, I think it was January, I guess, of 2019, I guess, is when we made the announcement of our release date, which was going to be uh, later in March of that same year. And New York City just lit up their skyline with the most progressive abortion law this country has ever seen. At the same time, Virginia was in the headlines for trying to pass their uh, infanticide uh, uh, abortion laws. Um, so what it was just, you know, 
interesting timing that the whole country was talking about abortion, even though social media was locking us down. It was hard to uh, get people to even take our dollars to market the film. However, the country was talking about it. So the earned media that we got from uh, even from CNN, you know, CNN showed our trailer and then they interviewed me afterwards. I could they would not have taken my money to show our a commercial or our trailer, but because the country was talking about it, we got exposure there. And obviously with Fox and all the other friendlies that are out there. And then politicians, you know, a lot of states uh, invite us to the capitals as they were uh, d- uh, looking at different law changes. I uh, got invited to the White House through Vice President Pence after he watched the movie. So it became this organic uh, grassroots effort from marketing that we didn't uh, plan or strategize, but it ended up becoming a very effective way to get the word out. And, you know, it's it's frustrating that that. Uh, you come across these obstacles to tell these stories, but at the same time, it's kind of an indicator of how important the story is. And to me, whenever I see somebody say, you know, don't watch this movie, don't promote this movie, don't, you know, it's kind of, I'm the, I'm so childish that I'm like, well, now I'm gonna, right. <laughs> so in exactly. a way, it kind of, in a way it kind of works to your favor, doesn't it? It did. It helped us. There was even a national radio station uh, normally would promote our movies uh, and they, just flat out said, we are not going to promote this movie. And then their, their audience, their listeners uh, had a backlash against them. And then uh, fast forward, I think like three months later, they gave us an award for movie of the year. Uh, so uh, again, I just think uh, like you and kind of some, maybe some of us uh, rebellious people, you tell us not to do something. We're going to find a way to, to, to watch it and support it. And people showed up in, in droves to, uh, to, to watch that story. Yeah, again, very good movie. I strongly recommend it. And then, of course, there was uh, what came out last year, uh, The Trump I Know, which uh, was, re- I mean, it, it's it's something you kind of already know as a Trump supporter uh, or somebody who voted for Trump. You, you already know that he is not the things that the media tells you, but you still get some insight, uh, a lot of really good insight into what this, really uh, what the whole family was about. And it was mostly... What the thing I thought was really interesting, it was mostly focused on the women around Trump, because, of course, um, they 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 love to claim that he was this misogynist and womanizer. And look, Trump is not you know perfect. He's certainly got his flaws and we all know what they are. We understand this. Um, so, yeah, the Trump I know was very much focused on the women around Trump. And I thought that was fascinating because because, uh, again, supposedly as a woman, you're not supposed to like Trump. Right. And but all these women, they seemed to be to love to work for Trump in his campaign, not just his family, but people, women in his campaign. Um, and and I, I just, I loved that about that movie as it kind of opens that up. I didn't know there were that many women working on his campaign and they were there because they wanted to be, obviously. Yeah, and they were, you know, just bright, intelligent, overachieving uh, women, you know, a lot of them, you know, moms. And, you know, I, and I met their husbands, met their kids and great families. Uh, just had a, they truly have a passion for this country. And they, uh, uh, President Trump really represented uh, that to them. Uh, but yeah, the whole genesis of that story, I became friends with Laura Trump uh, probably a year or so prior. Some of it was through the uh, the unplanned movie and some marketing there. And she would always tell me these great stories about the women uh, that she's around. In, and like you said, in the White House, in the campaign, in the company that had been there for you know 20 years plus. And uh, I would always share with my wife, she's like, 
we we should really tell the country you know more about those stories so i i called laura and said why don't you let me do that why don't you let me tell uh the stories of all these women and uh, she talked to the family um you know it's hard to invite cameras into uh into their living room but they uh, they agreed and it was really uh, i kind of followed laura around like you saw for several months and she just introduced me to just great women who just have a passion for this country and have a real appreciation for president trump and they actually know him. They, they work with him, uh, which is what I uh, just really appreciate about all of them. And then uh, then you actually got to sit down for eight minutes with Trump, which was uh, which was definitely good. And I, I, the thing I loved in the movie was uh, how you had an entire chapter that was like five seconds long dedicated to you <laughs> waiting for Trump because he's so busy. Um, but <laughs> Uh, how uh, how many times have you gotten to meet Trump, and 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 what is he like off camera? If uh, if 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 you can tell us that. So yeah, obviously, I feel like I kind of uh, cheated with uh, uh, getting to know President Trump because I became such good friends with Laura and obviously her husband Eric. Uh, so it was a very uh, friendly, you know, introduction to the president. But it is funny; uh, you still get nervous when you're getting ready to sit down and meet him, and and then get on camera. Uh, so when he came into the room, you know, the his team around him, there was something urgent going on. They wouldn't really uh, tell us what it was. They they were they were trying to avoid the interview, and uh, uh, he he was committed to it. But when the president walked in the room, he asked if I was ready uh, to start the interview, and I had to tell the president that not yet. I'm waiting for Laura to show up. You made the president wait. I did, which is real <laughs> funny in front of his whole advanced team that was not happy as it was. Uh, but you know what the president said? He said, oh, great. I finally get to sit down and tie my shoe. So my very first actual conversation with President Trump, he was sitting down tying his shoe. And it was like you and I sitting down tying our shoe, having a conversation. He really got rid of all my nerves and he just became a person. It really humanized him. And then, uh, and then the other funny thing was, then Laura got to the room. We sat down in the chairs, and he looks at me and say, "Okay, Joe, uh, where do you want to begin?" And knowing that we didn't have much time, and we had planned out this much longer interview, and I also put together a video because what I have learned is, if I, I think I had like a two-minute sizzle reel of spending time with his family and the women that have worked for him. I just wanted to show it to him, just so he could really get to understand that. We, we're on your side. We're really trying to tell your story in a, in, in a raw, authentic way. I said, sir, I, I, I was going to start off with this video. And then his, even Laura by then was like, Joe, we probably don't have time for the video. And the president said, Joe, I, I want to see that video. So my first two minutes on camera with President Trump, I'm holding my iPad and just you know showing it to, uh, to the president. And he was just great, uh, very gracious with his time. And then the, the thing that really, I think, stuck out to me is uh, he's a great listener. Uh, it's amazing how intuitive he is and how, I guess, really even empathetic to, to the questions that I was asking. He really understood what I was asking and what I wanted him to talk about. And I think he did it brilliantly uh, in his responses. It's not like he got prepped on what we were going to ask him. So obviously you're going to be spinning up on uh, on the campaign and getting really busy with that, uh, running with uh, Jim Renacy. Um, but uh, it does how's that going to impact your career going forward? Are you, are you going to continue to produce movies? Do you have any upcoming projects? Yes, I'm. Uh, you know, like you said, it's uh, it's getting getting a little crazy now. But I still have a lot of projects that we are trying to get off the ground. I still believe in impacting this 
country and world through stories. So we have quite a few that, you know, they're closer to getting greenlit. You know, COVID has really kind of set things back. Just prior to COVID, we had a great story on St. Patrick. You know, St. Patrick is a day that many of us celebrate, many wear the green and quite a few drink some green beer and turn rivers green. Very few actually know the story of St. Patrick. I don't and it's a story. beautiful story. It's a beautiful story that people need to hear. You know, he was not uh, Irish. Uh, he didn't grow up in Ireland, but he really uh, made an impact on that country like no other. So, so we're really um, hoping to have our team get there in, uh, in this coming up spring to, to film that. Um, we have quite a few, uh, I, been uh, talking to the Trump family, some some members on uh, a few other projects that I believe stories that need to be told. Um, so we'll see if the, the timing is right on that. And then uh, quite a few other inspirational stories that uh, we would love to get to at some point. Uh, but right now, my focus is um, I'm, I'm doing a lot of that uh, late at night, but definitely uh, on the campaign trail during most of the uh, day hours. So uh, before we get into uh, joining Renacy's campaign, uh, what brought you to Ohio? Yeah, so when I uh, couldn't afford college and enlisted in the Air Force, uh, my first six months active duty were in Texas, you know, basic training and some additional training. And when I was 19, they sent me to Dayton, Ohio at the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and uh, spent the rest of my uh, six-year enlistment right there at Wright-Pat. You know, at the time, Wright-Pat had uh, one of the largest uh, uh, hospitals uh, in the Air Force. So there was really no need to deploy our medical teams. They just brought all the patients uh, to us. So I didn't have to deploy from there. Um, and then that's what allowed me to you know, go to Wright State at night and then eventually met my wife while I was active duty. Her whole family's here. So Ohio really became my, uh, my, became my family, became uh, the place that I belong uh, still to this day. So that's kind of my, you know, uh, Dayton, Ohio, really uh, kind of uh, defined family for me, um, just through my wife's family and through a bunch of friends out here. So I'm very proud to be able to raise my family out here. Yeah. So uh, I talked to, of course, uh, talked to uh, Jim Renacy last week, and 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 we, of course, we talked about his uh, his choice for lieutenant governor. Um, what was it like hearing from Jim and hearing him ask you to run with him uh, uh, in this campaign? Yes. Yeah, uh, so. You know, Jim's a great guy. I've uh, definitely had some conversation with people about him. So when he actually called me to be his running mate, you know, this is my first time running for a political office. Um, so quite uh, humbling, honored, really, if I'm allowed to say this as a guy, it was emotional uh, to, to have him ask me. You know, I've always felt like uh, my background gives me a really unique understanding of so many aspects that are important to our country. You know, I understand poverty. I understand the importance of family. I understand military. I, you know, I worked with a lot of successful people. I understand the business owners and I understand entertainment and messaging. And then to be kind of brought into the political world the past couple of years with these movies, um, when, when Jim asked me to be his running mate, um, it definitely, it felt right. It felt like the, the right uh, man to join. And um, I think after the, uh, the emotional part of me, I just got really excited for this opportunity um, that I have personally, that my family has, but really, as I truly believe the state of Ohio has to have Jim and I um, heading to Columbus. What, what is it uh, from your perspective about Jim uh, that you think makes him the right man for this job? 
you know, I had a front row seat to uh, President Trump last year, and I interviewed so many people uh, in his family, uh, on his team, and really people on the ground. I was on the on the campaign trail on the bus tour. I think I visited six or seven states with the campaign to hear what the appreciation for President Trump was. And he truly was uh, an outsider. He was uh, a businessman and he was a frustrated American. And despite maybe encouraging some existing politicians to step up and make a difference, he was the last one standing and he was willing to go to D.C. and he was willing to have arrows come him at him from both sides, uh, from the Democratic Party, from the Republican Party. Uh, but he knew it was the time to stand up and make a difference for this country. And I truly believe when I understand Jim's background, uh, he comes from very humble beginnings. He uh, was a very successful businessman uh, in Ohio. He's made he's employed a lot of people. He's made a difference um, for him to be fighting for Ohio the way that he will be fighting for Ohio. I really think he is Ohio's version of President Trump. What he can do to Columbus is going to mirror what President Trump was uh, able to move the needle in D.C. with. Yeah. And I, like I said, I, I, I had a great conversation with him last week and uh, again, uh, very personable. So just some of the things that you describe yeah. about Trump and how he's personable and uh, and how he's able to kind of make you, you know, feel because I mean, I had never t- <laughs> I had never even talked to uh, a, a candidate at that level before, like, you know, a, 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 at all. So I was, of course, really nervous going into the interview, but he just he was I mean, it was very relaxing after after a minute and just kind of listening to him talk and listening to engage uh it was it was definitely very relaxing uh uh, uh after after my nerves kind of went away for uh, the first couple of minutes but um so yeah i'm really excited to see uh, uh how this is going to go for you guys um what's what's it been like so far in this campaign i mean it's only been a couple of weeks since uh you were announced uh, what has your role been what's it look like you know obviously it comes down to meeting people right and there's a lot of opportunities with events and stuff to just get out there and speak to ohioans and hear their frustration with uh the state of the uh, where we're at today uh, with ohio you know there's a lot of frustration with uh columbus you know there's been a lot of articles out in the past week uh having to be my first week about you know corruption and dark money and exposure occurring in columbus and that's been going on for years, for a long time. And, uh, you know, the line has been not too far removed from a lot of uh, that noise. Um, but the other thing, you know, COVID, you know, we're still seeing the uh, effects. Uh, you know, I have three kids. Uh, I see the effects of them for missing out basically on a year of school, um, our, our friends and their kids. And really, as I travel throughout the state, and I feel like I've almost been off four corners already of the state. Uh, it's about a you know about a four hour you know uh, uh, square uh, state, um, but there's a lot of uh, frustration with where their personal economy is. Uh, uh, you know, with jobs. You know, whether you're a business owner or you can't get employees to come back, um, whether you're not able to even get back off the ground from what COVID did to you, and a lot of people blame uh, Dewine and Houston and for the way they handled the state of Ohio versus how a lot of other states uh, that remain open uh, were were so much more successful today and farther down a recovery trail uh, than what we are. 
And you know, I have a father-in-law who lost his uh, GM job like 10, 12 years ago when his plant, you know, shut down, left Ohio. And it just feels like um, Ohio is slipping backwards. You know, we lost another representative in D.C. because we're not keeping up population wise with other states. And you know, I have friends that are leaving L.A. and they always talk about moving to Texas, moving to Florida, moving to Tennessee. I can't beg them enough to come to Ohio. And uh, I, I really believe we can turn that around. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys do going forward. I'm going to be keeping a close eye on it because uh, I, I really would like to see a shot because I love this state. I do. I love Ohio. I love I love my hometown, uh, even for all its flaws. I mean, it's it is a great place for me to grow up. It's a great place to live now. And I, I would like to see uh, the, the kind of prosperity that I think Ohioans deserve. So we'll definitely be keeping an eye on that. And uh, hopefully we'll have another opportunity to connect. Um, but Joe, I'd like to give you the last word here. Uh, anything else you'd like our listeners to know? Part of my passion as I have traveled really the state and the country uh, for years now is we have got to unify. We have got to stop arguing over the, the, the lesser details. And in order for us as conservatives, as us with Christian values, uh, with Catholic values, we have got to unify. We have got to play nice with each other. And we have to win our state back and we can do it in a very uh, a calm way where we can be very proud to be Ohioans. And I really think the country is going to notice uh, the dramatic change that we can bring to Columbus and people are going to be proud to be Ohioans. And I truly believe we're going to get people to start coming back to Ohio. And I really want my kids to, to stay here. I want my kids to graduate high school, go to college in Ohio and be proud to stay here. So that's part of my passion is how do we put Ohio back on a map in an extremely positive way. Joe, thank you so much for joining. Uh, it's been a pleasure speaking with you and, and learning about you and learning about uh, why you've gotten, why you're so passionate about these issues. And uh, make sure if you guys are listening, make sure you go and check him out uh, at joenop.com. That's uh, Joe, K-N-O-P-P.com. Uh, and you'll check out some of his, uh, some of his work, some of the movies that he's been involved in. Again, very, very good work. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more from you. Thanks. Thanks, Joe. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. If you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and every other major podcast platform. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and enable notifications to stay up to date with all of our new episodes and content. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you'd like to be a part of the show, reach out to us at canceledoutpodcast at gmail.com or in our locals community. Canceled Out is produced, directed, edited, and mixed by Scott and Max. All sourcing information can be found in our show notes at chronicles.org or in the link in the episode post in our locals community site at canceledout.com. Canceled Out is a Canceled Out Media LLC production, copyright 2021.